Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Stripe Hype Friday, everybody. Blake, Jude, and I are back with our regular shenanigans, and thank you to everybody who stopped into our Instagram live yesterday. Yesterday was a live stream of the podcast. There were hundreds of you that stopped in and hundreds more that have checked in over on Comical Sports Memes after the fact. So thank you to everyone who was part of that yesterday. For those of you coming over to the podcast side, enjoy today's episode of the Take It Easy podcast. So please leave those downloads, five-star ratings, all that good stuff. We've got a great show here with Blake Jude for an hour and a half that you guys are really, really going to enjoy. So let's say sayonara to this week and lead you into the weekend, unless you're listening to this on the weekend, with Blake Jude, NFL draft expert, Cincinnati Bengals coverage, writes for the New Orleans Saints. Did you see the Matt Campbell story today? I had heard a, a little bit of it. I'm not too familiar with it with the news right now. I did hear that. Was it apparently like they were, he was like their second or third option, not their first option? Other people are not happy with that or something. So, so for context for people tuning in on the podcast, if you haven't been with us for seven consecutive months, um, when when Matt Patricia first got fired, we both agreed like Matt Campbell would be a great hire for the Detroit Lions to make. He's the head coach of Iowa State. Iowa State won their first Fiesta Bowl since 1960 never last year. And they were going into this season as Matt Campbell being like the hottest coaching hire. Like he was supposed to be connected to Auburn and, you know, waiting for one of these big college football jobs. He he was connected to Ohio State before Ryan Day got the job. And the Lions, it was reported today, offered an eight-year, $68.5 million contract to Matt Campbell, and he turned the Detroit Lions down to stay at Iowa State. And that just makes me sad, because as much as I love Matt Campbell and wanted that to be as perfect as it was, Matt Campbell, you ain't better than that job. <laughs> like you, I don't think Matt Campbell's in a position to be turning yeah. down $68.5 million from the Detroit Lions. Like, I understand there's like 11 to 15 college jobs that are better than being an NFL coach, like Bama and Oklahoma and Ohio State and Michigan and Oregon, because Oregon's got that Nike money. But you're, you're not good enough to turn down that job. <laughs> like, Matt, I'm sorry, Matt Campbell, like waiting to see what job comes next. I, I don't think you can turn down 68 and a half million from the lions. Maybe you turn down 32 mil from the lions, but not 68 and a half million. 
Yeah, that, that's a that's a Matt Rule type contract, really. I mean, just throwing him all the money in the world and have, giving him eight years as well. I think it's always huge for for a coach. That gives you a lot of security year one, and you have to do pretty poor in those next couple of seasons to really ever have a chance of being fired. Uh, you know, of course, from the team. So I, I think that that is job security at its finest. And if you, I mean, turning that down could be a mistake. It could be a, a high risk, high reward, maybe. Um, maybe Matt Campbell's hope, hopefully, or hoping that he could, you know, maybe get, be a very good contender with Iowa State, eventually go to a better college football team, maybe a better NFL team in the future. We'll see how it works. I do think that he can translate very well to the NFL. And as you mentioned, we did discuss a lot. Uh, he could be a good candidate for a lot of other teams last year when it came to the NFL coaching hire. And I'm sure he will be in that list next year as well. So we'll have to see how that works out, of course. But I, I do think that if he was all offered 60, was it $64 million? That's a lot it's of money 68 man. and a half is the number that's reported so it's about eight and a half a year which we don't know a lot the nfl is weird where we don't really know a lot of the coaches salaries but by college football standards that would have made him the fifth or sixth highest paid college football coach because all those salaries are pretty much public so i think that would have made him five or six a lot of money paid college coach yeah yeah i i mean if if you're holding out for a better that's job tough. like i get it but at a certain point, PJ Fleck kind of knows this, like the jobs just stop calling at a certain point. Like they just, you run out of options and places to go. Usually one pops up every year, but more Matt Campbell's and more PJ Fleck's pop up every year. Right. And, and, and you know, we, we also, I mean, the new coaches come out of nowhere. We, we'll see guys like Brian Dayball, of course, be at the top of all of this next year. Joe Brady as well, <laughs> a guy that is big. Everyone loves Joe Brady right now, especially Bengals fans, since, you know, we have his entire roster pretty much there. Uh, you know, a lot of different other coaches are, are, are going to be starting to rise in the ranks as well. And, and you know, I, I definitely think Matt Campbell is still going to have a lot of interests, but I think there's definitely going to be just as much competition as last year. I really don't think his, I don't think him waiting another year will help anything. It really kind of feels like to me, he's banking on showing more improvement showing that he can be a better coach maybe to hopefully get more money but that's always a big risk especially for a school like Iowa State which isn't going to be really in the middle of the playoffs by any means so it should be interesting to see how that decision turns out I don't know uh I, I personally wouldn't turn out that much money at all if I get the chance to go to an NFL team to be a head coach I am I am coaching at Detroit Lions before I'm ever coaching for Iowa State personally but hey uh teach your own I don't know maybe he's one to stay there and try to prove something well, also Brock Purdy's coming back. So at the very least it's defendable because you're going to have someone who like might be a top five pick in the draft. Who's still like the core of your team and the team that you've brought together might have a year better in them. But I just, we've talked about this before about Iowa state. Like you, you like the idea of like college football where like you can build a Clemson type program. And I will attest there will never be a great college football program in Ames, Iowa, like that. They just cannot build a 10 year dynasty in Iowa state. It's just not possible. And there's no shame to that. Like this is kind of the feeder system that we've created in sports where the Matt Campbell's of the world will take better jobs because better jobs are available. And I understand not wanting to, play for the or coach the Detroit Lions because obviously no one wanted to coach the Lions they were just a tier above like Philadelphia and Houston who literally couldn't hire anyone but like Salah turned down that job in his hometown the enemy turned down that job and they end up hiring like their fourth guy in, in Man Campbell being the coach so I understand that part of not wanting to coach the Lions but the name Matt Campbell and hearing that I'm like dude you can't you can't turn that job down 
I mean, Matt Campbell was by no means the highest ranking uh, coach in that group. You know, we, we definitely thought he would be a good candidate for a lot of guys, but what there were, I would say there's truly six jobs going around the league and really, really thought Matt Campbell was like right on the border being that seventh, maybe eighth guy that could have gone to a team, might have not. We don't know. We don't really know. We could we could have saw either way. And there's a few there's a few surprises. Dan Campbell wasn't a guy we really expected that much. Uh, the Houston Texans coach. Um, oh, Coley. Yeah, totally but Coley. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Texans job is going to be open again next year, though. Like, that's the other part of it. Right. Yeah, probably. So, I mean, that, there's just two couple of surprise signings. But outside of that, you know, I mean, it really kind of felt like even then Matt Campbell wasn't guaranteed to get a job. So getting offered that much money, again, I, I go back to Matt Rule because it just reminds me a lot of the Matt Rule signings. I kind of had the same thoughts about him as what I did Matt, Matt Campbell for the most part. Smaller school, pretty a really promising coach, could work well on the NFL level. If he's getting offered a lot of money, let's see what potential he holds. Kind of felt like a similar situation. And then so far, I, I like to think for Matt Rule, it's kind of worked out. I actually really like the Panthers roster next year. I'm really excited to see how they end up turning out what we'll of course donald's a big question but we'll have to see how how everything pans out if, if they're able to you know use donald to the best of his abilities but um I, I definitely think that the lions had a lot lost last year uh, of course you have you have jared goff now no kenny, kenny galladay a pretty weak defense you have some potential there with guys like jeffrey okuda and a couple other guys but um you know overall a, a pretty weak team in general and i know they're not the most attractive team i think dan campbell i think for the most part at least this offseason certainly got off the right foot i think for every, for every all things considered for the Lions, they have really built the trenches very well, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how that ends up turning out. I, I really like the picks of, of getting guys like Alan McNeil and Lee Sariki at defensive line, getting Pene Sewell. Of course, I love that pick. We'll have to see how it works out for sure, but I, I definitely think Dan Campbell has gotten off the right foot somewhat. I think Matt Campbell could have done the same if he went to the Lions. Yeah, and whoever the sports dude Hines is in there, he, he says Campbell to Michigan like as an interesting possibility, and I think of that, I'm like, but think about Nick Saban from years past. And obviously the world's different, but think about Harbaugh and Saban themselves who went to the NFL and then went back to college when the opportunity presented themselves. Now, obviously they had success. And I think if like Matt Rule has another five win season next year and then tries to go back to college, I'm not sure like what job would be like clamoring to get Matt Rule, but you can always go back to college. That's the other part about it is that if you're one of these college NFL coaches, you can all, I think Bill O'Brien is now the, the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Like you can always go back to college after you're done with that run in the NFL. Yeah, no, it's certainly a possibility. And, and honestly, though, I, I think, you know, even for Matt Rule, I mean, you, you say you probably don't know. I, I think there will probably be a team that looks at Matt Rule and sees, sees the success he had with Baylor and say if he can repeat that for our for our, you know, our, our team, our, our college. Uh, they, they would definitely Oh, take yeah, a, for sure. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I should have clarified on that. I meant like a job better than the Carolina Panthers, like okay. one of those 11 to yeah, 15 right. jobs that's like would incentivize him to leave Carolina to go back to college. Not if he gets like fired by the Panthers, like a job that would encourage him to give up the Panthers job to go back to college or Matt Campbell to give up the Lions job to go back to college like Saban did when he went from the Dolphins to to Alabama I know Harbaugh got fired but that one was a little strange situation because he did go to like three NFC championship games then get fired yeah, I mean, in my eyes, I, I think for, for both Matt Roy and, and Matt Campbell, I think that, you know, why not take the, the risk of, you know, if you're getting offered that big of a contract, go into the NFL team, give them three or four years, try to see if you can do anything. If not, if you get fired, that's, a, that's okay. Go back to college. You're, they're still going to give, there's still going to be a fine college is going to give you a really good contract regardless. I don't see the, um, 
the downside and going to the NFL for a couple of years. You're going to be paid a lot more money. Uh, there's a lot more potential to even be paid more money if you're successful. It's a completely different system. I, I give you that. And, and I think that it is different, you know, not all the time do college coaches progress very well to the NFL, of course, kind of similar to how players are just in some sorts. But at the same time, I think that, you know, if, if it didn't work out for you, you have the you have the luxury of being able to go back down to the other level and, and seeing how that works out for you. I mean, it's happened with Jim Harbaugh, of course. Jim Harbaugh made it to the Super Bowl and got paid a lot of money for the to be the same Francisco 49ers coach for a couple of years and it didn't work out at the end of the day he went back to Michigan he's doing fine now so there's plenty of other coaches that can be that can be doing the same way and I kind of thought Matt Rule and Matt Campbell both could take a page out of, out of that Jimbo Harbaugh book and maybe perform if maybe be like that if they don't end up working out as head coaches yeah the, this is the thing about college coaches by the way I just realized we've also talked about Man Campbell Matt Campbell Matt Rule, Matt Stafford was the quarterback of the Lions. We're, we're going through all of the mats right now and, and Man Campbell. Lots of MAs in there. Um, <laughs> but the good news about college is that everyone gets another job to be a head coach in college football, except Gene Chizik for some reason. But other than Gene Chizik, everyone gets another chance to be a coach. Even Gus Malzahn is now the coach again. Can you Do you remember where Gus Malzahn is now? Huh. I actually didn't even know he got rehired. I'm guessing it's probably for a small school. <laughs> exactly, but they always come back. The, I would say it's kind of in, it's a tweener. It's kind of in between a tweener. small school and a big school. Can you give me can you give me the division? Uh, well, actually, I can give you. So it's in the AAC. Oh, That's what I was thinking. Okay, I was gonna guess the AAC. And uh, they also happen to be. Let me put that up here. The 2017 oh, national champions. <laughs> Yes. They also have all right, the all right. 17 now. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember the good old Gus Malzahn days from Auburn. So <laughs> he was still there. He, it was always B. I love the Gus Malzahn situation. He'd always barely say he would be one week away from being fired and then win four games in a row and get a contract extension. He did it like twice and then finally got fired. <laughs> call that the uh the marvin lewis strategies that's how yeah know, it's every time very long time to get fired yep <laughs> uh do you know who the coach is now at auburn do you know that one? Oh my gosh I, i'm not very well versed in uh head coaches for any uh, college schools to be honest with you which you think i would be oh we can play uh, this but... game we can play the names of sec coaches now we can play this game next <laughs> Oh, gosh. I, I'm honestly not even sure. I, I do remember Gus Malzahn very well. You, you put me might say his name and I might know who it is, but I mean, I mean, I, I can name a lot of the roster, but I mean, I, I just don't. I, do you know I, what? Well, don't I don't know his name. Do you know where he do you know where he came from before? Because I don't remember his name, but do you remember where he came from before? <sighs> hmm. Honestly, I don't know. The, the, he used to be the Boise State coach, and now okay. he's the coach okay. at Auburn. Uh, can you yeah. name the head coach at Missouri? I, I know what he looks like. Uh, I, I honestly <laughs> know. I, I can't. I, I could probably only – I don't know if I can name you four coaches from the SEC. That might be a bit of a stretch. You could be four? Oof. Yeah, it's not a lot. I know. Non, it's, it's let's do non-Kentucky division. Non-Kentucky division. Can you? So you know Saban, obviously. To the West? Yeah. Let's see. Um, I know Ed Orgeron, of course. So that's definitely an easy one. Um, only because I, 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 Jimbo Fisher, right? Yes, yeah, three. Yeah. Um, 
And then let's see. I probably know. Okay, so I definitely know more than more than that. But uh, you know the big I ones. Know the, you know the Power Six ones. You know who the Power. Well, six I know. Ones. I know Mississippi State's coach as well. I don't know why I can't say his name right now. He created the air raid, and of course I know who he is. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this is killing me. He's fascinated. He's fascinated by UFOs and uh, loves drinking Mai Tais on the Florida Keys. Uh, I seriously don't know. Has a mustache. Mike Leach. Oh. Mike Leach, that's, oh my gosh, that's, that's killer, man. I, I, you know, honestly, like, I, it, I I realized this when I was talking to you on a podcast a couple of, of, of weeks ago. Like, I know a, almost all the NFL coaches, and I was kind of surprised by that, but I almost know no college coaches, which is almost the – the only college coaches I know are the ones that are in the tournaments, of course. Like, if you have Dabo Sweeney, you know, you know yeah. Nick Saban, all those guys that are very well known, or if you have a guy that is – that can go into the NFL the next season, like Matt Rule or, you know, Matt Campbell, like all, any of those guys. Those are the ones I tend to know. But everyone else outside of that, it's just kind of like, you know, they're, yeah, they're just kind of there, you know, because I kind of think – right. And it was, I, whenever I actually – most of the time I watch college football games, you know, I do like to enjoy some of the games, especially for Kentucky uh, each season for the most part. But I more, more or less watch the games to watch the players. And a lot of times whenever I'm watching those games, they're condensed. So – I just have my eye on, on one player and I really don't get to see all the talking in, in between where they talk about the coaches and people like that. So that's probably the reason why I don't really know the coaches as well. Um, but, but still, I mean, I, I definitely know like the, the, the big ones for sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's the ones that are pretty obvious though. Yeah. At the very least for me, I can name where they were in their previous job, like Arkansas's coach. I have no idea what his name is, but I know he's the fat offensive line coach from Georgia, but I have no idea what his name is. But right. I know he's the coach at Arkansas now. Old Miss, you could get Old Miss. You could probably get Old Miss. We've we've done uh, a whole podcast on him before. Yeah, is it? I remember it was Lane Kiffin, right? Yeah, it's, it's still it Lane still Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Okay, all right. So last so year I think was his first year, and he went six and six or, or whatever truncated season, so five and five yep. or whatever. Yep. So Lane so Kiffin. Man, yeah. I, I know. Uh, is it still Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee? It is not Jeremy Pruitt anymore. Okay, in Tennessee. okay. My fault. Yeah, My so fault he, got, he got fired. He got fired over. Uh, that, that was a shitty way for him to get fired. So he got fired because they gave him a contract extension because he won five games straight at the end of last or at the end of two seasons ago, 2019. And then he went one and eight this year. And they wanted to get out from the contract, so they basically found violations of him paying players and uh, got him fired. <laughs> so okay. yeah, that was kind of a messed up way for him I, to go. I, I, I forgot that because they, they did – I remember hearing who they signed back, and it was, a lot of teams didn't really like the – or a lot of guys didn't really like who they who they signed back or a lot of analysts, analysts didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally forgot his name. But I'll probably, I'll probably, probably remember him from after next season because I know that uh, they'll, they'll talk about him a lot. So yeah. – and then, of course, I know, you know, is it's still Will Muschamp with Florida. Um, not Florida and also not South Carolina. My fault, my fault, my fault, my fault, my fault. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. I don't know why. It, that's right. You mean Kirby my, Smart or Must Kirby Champ? Smart? Kirby yeah. Smart in Georgia. I don't know. Oh, I'm going crazy right now. Sorry. I was about to say Muschamp. Uh, Muschamp <laughs> is yeah. funny because I, I know, like, he, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, no, I, I was going to say Muschamp was the guy from Florida, like who replaced Urban Meyer. But you right. would have been thinking of him at South Carolina, and he's also yeah. not at South Carolina anymore. <laughs> he, he goes to every SEC school. I, I remember. I mean, where is he at right now? Do you know? Uh, that's a great question because he got fired at the end of last year and then they hired I want to say like someone someone's son I don't remember who it was uh, South Carolina coach 
It's someone's son. I can't remember who it was. It was Spurrier or who was it? Uh, someone, someone's famous. Oh, uh, Frank Beamer's dad. Frank Beamer's son is now the coach at South Carolina. Will Muschamp is. Oh, he got hired by Georgia. So he's like the, the defensive assistant coach at Georgia, not the defensive coordinator. He's a defensive analyst at Georgia. Okay. All right. Well, so I mean, he, he really, he really fell, fell off, I guess. But uh, yeah, so my, my fault. I, I don't know why. I, I, I always go back to uh, Will Muschamp and um, I always get the, him and Dan Mullen mixed up a bunch. Like, it's just those two. Those two, I get like soft a bunch. So is it Dan Mullen's the coach of Florida now? Is he still the coach there? Yes, he is right. still the coach there who is extremely cocky every time uh, <laughs> every time Florida wins because they had just giant Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. They just got cocky every time they had a win. Right, and, and I, I don't know the coaches of Vanderbilt, Arkansas, South Carolina. I uh, don't know any of those. Um, yeah. who, else is, who else are we missing in there? Uh, I think that's everyone. I think Vanderbilt, that's all 14. Vanderbilt. Yeah, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt hired uh, the – defensive coordinator at Notre Dame last year. I have no idea who he is, but he used to play there. So it's a lot of new hires. I don't really know. I really don't honestly pay attention to a lot of coach coaching switches in college football as much as I probably should, but to me, it really doesn't matter as much. Yeah. No reason to pay attention to Vanderbilt. Right. Well, it doesn't really matter for any, for any level ranking team, because I mean, unless they end up becoming a college football playoff contender, you know, it's nothing really too high profile. So uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, I think that, uh, Regardless, um, I know a lot less about college coaches than I do. Yeah, I mean, you would think I would know more, but hey, I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to claim like I do. I I, I always say what, that's about what, I got six of them. I I know, of course, Mark Stoops. Um, Knock about seven. not going to be a dick and start asking you Pac-12 conference coaches. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work out. That's not going to at all. Do you know who's at UCLA? Do you know who's coaching UCLA? No, 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 no. clue. You couldn't. Uh, it's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chip Kelly. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that, actually. See, I remember he went, yeah, that was after he left the Eagles. Um, did he go straight to you? He waited a year and then he went to UCLA. No, he waited like three or four years. Three or four he was years, out right, like yeah. three or four yeah. years before someone would give him a chance again. Right. Yeah. yeah it's kind but, of uh, right there. Yeah, for sure. I, I really couldn't name you many coaches at all outside of that. I mean, I know, of course, Dabo Sweeney with Clemson. I know, um, you know, Ryan Day at Ohio State. I know a few other guys, but I mean, nothing too high profile um, off, off the top of my head. Really, I mean, ACC is all, where all the big coaches kind of are anyways, though. kind of feels like most of those guys are, are, are there. And of course, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, a couple other maybe. But, uh, you know, really all the big coaches, the guys that you get to see talk about a lot are from the SEC. And, and I will be honest, I, I definitely watch a lot of more SEC football, whatever college football is going on, than I do any other conference as well, because it's matters more to me personally since being I'm a Kentucky Wildcats fan so uh I can't lie I, I definitely do watch a lot more SEC football than I watch anything else but I'll also defend myself and say that all the games I watch of other you know t- teams and everything like that I watch condensed games or you know tape on them instead so it's not like actually like focused on the game more or less just focusing on a player um so that's that's kind of my biggest defense because I, I mean I can name you a lot of you know, uh, uh, some some teams' prospects. Maybe you told me their coach and who developed them. I couldn't tell you at all. You know, it's not it's not really what I look at. Yeah, it's not it's not your mo. You're not in it for the games themselves. You're in it for the players themselves, of course. Speaking of players, 
do you want to talk Julio Jones? I mean, we got a couple like like weird questions, like Deshaun Watson going to Washington, which is never going to happen. But I do, like Julio Jones thing is interesting because I don't know what to speculate and what not at this point. Because obviously, the reason the timing is what it is and why it's believable is because I know the Falcons, for cap reasons, won't trade Julio Jones officially until June first. That's why there wasn't much talk about it then. But they also doubled down on Matt Ryan. So it doesn't make sense where they're going there. And the other part is like, as much as we question the Falcons, we also haven't seen a sample size to prove them right or wrong at this point on whether or not they're making good moves or not with, you know, Kyle Pitts at the four pick based on his play and everyone else's play and whether or not they keep Julio Jones and deciding to triple down on 36 year old Matt Ryan instead of taking Justin Fields at pick number four. So I don't know. What did, what did you make of the Julio Jones thing with the idea that he could maybe get traded? It really gives me the feeling that they are headed for a, I would say a pretty significant uh, scheme switch. It really kind of feels like Arthur Smith is implementing the Titans offense into the rate, into the Falcons, uh, you know, offense. It's going to look like more of a 12 look, I, I think for uh, on the offensive side of the ball, two tight ends, one running back. You already have Hayden Hurst there. Kyle Pitts will add another guy there. You have guys on the outside. I think are, are Pretty underrated and very valuable. I think Calvin Ridley is capable of being a wide receiver one for a, for a team in the future. And I also really like Russell Gage as well. A guy that doesn't really get talked about a lot, but whenever he was there and whenever he was healthy, he was a, a very good wide receiver three option. I think he could be a pretty good wide receiver two for the team. So it really kind of feels like to me, you know, you, you pair those two up with Kyle Pitts, who's probably going to be your number one option anyways, even even year one because he's that good of a player. Um, so he will still take off the heat from from Gage and and, and Ridley, as well as a guy like Hayden Hurst on the other side, who I think is also a pretty capable tied in some way he was a he was second option for the Baltimore Ravens and performed pretty well on that role he was a starter the future tight end this year for the Falcons I think that he was pretty solid I think he was borderline top 10 tight end which is I think is pretty average for most for most tight ends in the league most guys are kind of along that line um and I think there's, there's nothing too special about him but I think he's a fine tight end too for your team if you can really kind of implement what the Titans have with Anthony Ferkser and John U. Smith I think it can work out very well for a team like the, the Ravens who are for, for the Falcons who have a very very talented accurate a passer and Matt Ryan and he, he can work really well with a freak athlete like Kyle Pitts and a reliable target like Hayden Hurst and it could be a, a pretty good combo for the team and I think how Julio fits into the system is a little bit more confusing I think than the other guys are you could easily keep him and keep him as the other outside receiver uh, apart from a guy like Calvin Ridley but I also think at the same time it makes a lot of sense that you would look towards getting a little bit younger at that opponent or at that uh, at that position and, and being able to have uh, a guy like Russell Gage or maybe a rookie uh, kind of step into that role instead and, and kind of roll with Kyle Pitts as maybe your main feature target even though he's just a tight end. And this is the interesting part with the Falcons offense is that we don't talk enough about how good Calvin Ridley is. And Calvin Ridley is one of those like rare first round receivers that was drafted to fill a role. Like usually you draft first round receivers to kind of just be as good as they can be because the picks are so valuable at the top. And there's always question marks with drafting first round receivers. I actually found out in research that it's actually more common that first round receivers pan out than I thought it was going to be. But I also... I, it also is like you can get Keenan Allen's in the third round. You can get Tyree Kills in the fifth round. Like receivers are a pretty random position that you can get second, third round receivers that are absolute studs. But yeah, I think if Calvin Ridley weren't in this role that they've kind of placed him in, because they've ran the exact same dirt cutter offense his entire career. Well, actually, no, he had one year of Sarkeesian. 
than the, the dirt cutter offense the rest of his career. I think Calvin Ridley is an awesome receiver, at least a capable wide receiver one. But now he's like, I mean, if Kyle Pitts is your third option out the gate, I don't know what that offense is going to look like. But like you said, they are they're totally transforming the offense in the Arthur Smith mold. So I, I you just can't I don't think you can trade Julio Jones unless you get an offer you can't refuse. It's similar like they're obviously rebuilding. You, you're higher on the Panthers, but very clearly the Saints are better. The Bucks are better. The Panthers are probably better. I think the fa- Panthers and Falcons are kind of the same at this point in rebuilding phases. The Panthers might be like one year ahead of the Falcons, but both of them are kind of not going to be good. So I understand if you get the right offer, do it, but it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, even after the explanation part of it. Like, even if you want to run the offense, Julio Jones, who is 32, like it makes sense wanting to break up, but it also doesn't make sense tripling down on Matt Ryan if you're going to just add all these draft picks next year when you also had the number four pick last year. But maybe Kyle Pitts is a stud and, and they made the right pick. This is the difficulty of that. Yeah, and I do somewhat agree with that because I definitely think that if you're looking to kind of rebuild at this point, why were you resigning Matt Ryan in the first place? It kind of told me that you're looking to try to win and contend now, which is doesn't really make sense to trade your best receiver at that point because Julio Jones is still a very good receiver, even though he's not the, who he was before. He's, I think he's still really good. Um, so it is a little bit con- like uh, contrary to what you thought they would actually probably do. But I, I do think that this could be the case of, of maybe, uh, you know, they, they kind of see Kyle Pitts being the Julio Jones replacement for the team, though he's different position, kind of playing at the tight end. They think he could still fill in and, and have that same production or somewhat. Julio Jones had insane production. I'm not going to pretend like Kyle Pitts will have that, but I think that he could have really good production year one as a number one receiver. And, of course, getting, getting rid of Julio Jones will save you post-June 1st a lot of cap space to maybe not only have more draft picks, but also have a lot more attempts to sign free agents next year. So maybe that creates a lot more cap space that you might have not had um, had you uh, since you kept Matt Ryan, it kind of felt like you know you're, you're sacrificing a lot of possible cap space. You're going to save up that by getting by leaving Julio Jones. So this really is a case of would you rather have had a guy like Trey Lance instead of Matt Ryan or got Kyle Pitts instead of Julio Jones? I think they kind of chose that route of, of the wide receivers, of getting the wide receivers instead and saving a lot more money in the process. Yeah, and the Falcons are in this interesting position where the Julio Jones trade would be a true rebuilding move, but trading Matt Ryan would also be a true rebuilding move. But I, I laugh at this because I, I want this to just be a giant scheme where Arthur Smith ends lost that. But I want this to just be a giant scheme where Arthur Smith ends up just signing Matt Ryan. I mean, not signing Matt Ryan, signing Ryan Tannehill at the end of next season, where this is all a scheme to just get back Ryan Tannehill in his mid-30s. And uh, yeah, even if, even if they're going to bring back Matt Ryan again, like you can still get a top pick next year and draft a quarterback, which it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially if you get that extra draft capital from Julio. But again, you could have had the quarterback this year, but also Kyle Pitts, I think he's going to be a stud and you can, you don't have to draft a quarterback. That's the other thing that we figured out. It's, it's the easiest way with the rookie wage scale and how everything's wired in the NFL, but you don't have to draft a quarterback. It's not, it's not the end all be all to figuring out your team going forward. You just have to figure out the quarterback position, however it is, you're going to do it. Right. And it also does a hell of the fact that there were three quarterbacks taken beforehand. So you were kind of forced into choosing between Justin Fields and Mac Jones, which is, you know, my opinion on Mac Jones. I, I like Justin Fields a lot, but there, there could be a question of whether or not Arthur Smith thinks he fits well on on the offense. And of course, he did fall a bit further than what I thought 
be one that we might not notice immediately um, that, that he might have somewhat. I, I do think you could question a couple of uh, Fields' mental side of the game when it comes to his decision-making. It could be a bit of an issue right now. Maybe Arthur Smith doesn't really like that because Ryan Tannehill is, you know, I think it was a pretty smart quarterback. He doesn't screw things up. And I think that, that really helped the Titans' offense. And I think it's what Arthur Smith's hoping to have in another quarterback in the future is the guy. Kind of like, you know, Ryan. I could easily see him signing Ryan Tannehill next year. As much of a joke it is, I could see that happening. I think Matt Ryan could also be a great example of this, though. He's a guy that he, he, he definitely doesn't – I don't think he – He's not a risk taker by any means, but I think whenever he has a guy, he sees the guy open, he can be able to hit him and it's going to be able to go for good yards. So I think that's really what Arthur Smith kind of wants for this offense because you can be primarily focused on having tight ends, you know, you know, be able to not only be great blockers, but also to be able to get off the line, get open space through four yards down the field, let them get the ball trucked their way through, maybe even have a couple guys get down the field further. Guys like Anthony Ferkser that on their squad was a pretty big deep threat for a tight end. Uh, I think if you can get Kyle Pitts kind of play that role some more, maybe even Hayden so I think it also be a pretty good vertical threat. You could have a pretty good squad together. And, it, you know, it's, it's more of the case of I definitely think I'm going to see a lot more running the ball for Atlanta for sure this season. Um, yeah, did you see the photo yeah. of Mike Davis that was going around this week where he's got <laughs> he's got uh, these gigantic like Saquon Barkley calves at this point? <laughs> yeah, I saw Adam Schefter's post about him. They're like, geez, where do you get that at? Like, it's, it's it's not only his calves, it's his entire hamstring. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just if massive. you're looking, like, for, if you're looking for fantasy football advice from a guy who drafted Michael Thomas over Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook last year. Make sure to pick up Mike Davis late in those, late in those draft rounds as a wide, as a running back three next year. <laughs> he was very good last year, especially in fantasy. Uh, you know, you know, even with Christian McCaffrey, you know, kind of being in and out, he was he was hurt a lot. He was also playing somewhat. Uh, Mike Davis was a very very good running back, and I do think this is a very Arthur Smith-esque running back. He's not going to be Derrick Henry by any means, but he is still a big physical body that can run the same, you know, run the same inside zone plays or the, or the sorry, power gap scheme plays. You know, he can, he can still be a guy that can get rough in the middle and be able to break tackles and, and stay balanced uh, and get down the field really fast. And I think that is something that uh, Arthur Smith has really liked. And it really kind of feels like an Arthur Smith signing by getting Mike Davis. It's, it's one of the better signings. I think the Atlanta Falcons made this offseason for sure. I, I was really happy with that. Dude, I'm going through this schedule right now. I know I, I don't like the like win loss thing, but let's play win loss here with the Falcons. We did that a few times last week because they might actually be in a position to get one of these top picks now that I look through this roster. So you start out, they play home against the Eagles week one. You know, it's it's always tough because if I was if I was on the Eagles side, I'd probably say win, but I also kind of want to say win for uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to go with a win for the Falcons, though, here. I do think it might be a bit of a, you know, slow start for the, for the Eagles, at least. All right. So next week at Tampa Bay. Loss. At the Giants. Loss. Washington at home. Loss. Jets at home. That's I mean, going to be a fun game, to be honest. That will, uh, that will be pretty interesting. I, that's also a London game, so it's uh, it's at 6.30 in the morning on the West Coast, baby, at West Coast, Best Coast. <laughs> I can go. wake up and actually do a live podcast watching football, so West Coast, Best that's Coast. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Falcons and Dolphins, so it's in Loss. Miami. Loss. All right. Uh, Panthers at home. Win. Saints Panthers. on the road. Loss. Uh, Cowboys at home, or sorry, Cowboys at Dallas. 
depends on if, if Dallas is healthy or not, but, you know, assuming they are, I would probably say Dallas wins that game. So I'll say loss. All right. And then Patriots at home. Loss. Jack, I was about to, I was about to throw hands if you said they, they beat the Patriots at home. <laughs> I, 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 well, I mean, I think that could be a, a pretty interesting game, though. I mean, it can be completely honest. I don't think that, you know, I, the reason I, I think it's going to be very high scoring if, it, you know, whenever it happens. I think it's going to be like 40 to 40, you know, one of those scores, because there's no chance that, you know, the Falcons have the worst defense in the NFL this year, I, I think for sure. Uh, I don't see them stopping, you know. New England by any means, but also got to factor in the fact that Kyle Pitts is a huge match, uh, mis- mismatch for any team. And it, it is questions, you know, the Patriots still have certainly have questions on their, on their defense with a lot of these older guys that I mentioned last time earlier, whenever we were having our conversations about this. So um, yeah, no, I definitely think that I'm going to, I'm going to say pretty comfortably that the Patriots, but I do think like, this is for me, like a 65% to 35% maybe like it's a little bit closer to what you might think actually, but still, I think Patriots pretty well favored. Well, also, yeah, the games themselves don't matter that much. Like, like I, I acknowledge the Falcons could totally win that game because football games are weird like that. Like we, we are probably going to be wrong on half of the 10 games we just picked, but it's still football is kind of weird like that. Like the Jets won two games last year and they were against two playoff teams. Like it's kind of just, it's a weird way that this works out. So anyway, so three and seven right now. So then they have Jaguars at Jacksonville. Uh, I'll, I'll say loss. Uh, and then Buccaneers at home loss yeah sorry falcons uh panthers at carolina loss okay so you have them splitting the season series with the panthers interesting um i would probably go the same but i just don't know which i i could see both teams winning both games it's very much a toss-up in both of those um so then they have 49ers on the road loss lions at home win bills on the road loss <laughs> saints uh saints in Atlanta. pretty easily I'm, i might give them the win over new orleans once uh, i'll say they split new orleans once as well so give them a win here so you've got them at five and twelve which is about exactly what i would have said they win like five or six four or five games i would say four or five they would have had four wins if they lose to the saints they get five wins by beating the saints I, I I thought I counted six and eleven in my head, but I could be wrong. Uh, let's see. So you had the Lions, the Eagles, the Panthers, Lions, Saints. Eagles, Panthers, Saints, Jets. Uh, did you did you have them beating the Giants or Washington? No, maybe maybe not. Maybe maybe it's, maybe it's only five. Nope. Okay, I haven't losing both those games. So uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I had them. Maybe I was thinking that they could have. I think between uh, the Giants, the, the Washington football team, and maybe even the Patriots, I think they could probably win one of those games sneakily. But, you know, 5 and 11, I think still I, I pretty, I think, fair record given how bad their defense is this year. Just a comfortable, smooth 5 and 11, which, or 5 and 12. So it's a 17 game season, but it's. That's exactly where I would have put them is like drafting fifth or sixth next year, which now looking through the quarterback class. They could, they could get their quarterback next year. Now that I think about it, like, I know it's kind of weird and too early to project to, pro- wow, that was, that was not what I meant to say. Uh, project <laughs> um, quarterback. So yeah, I'm just, I'm going to walk away in shame on that one. Though. Uh, Sam Howell, Sam Howell is going to be the next Atlanta Falcons quarterback. You can book it. 
Okay. It's him and, and Brock Purdy and the guy from Oregon and Tyler Shell. Yeah, and, and Spencer Rattler. I've seen him projected right. number one. I, yep. I I always thought he was trash. I get I I haven't watched him play at all, but I always thought he was like terrible. And now I'm seeing he's the number one pick. I'm like, I guess I just don't know enough about him yet because I always thought he was like where the the quarterback factory died at Oklahoma, <laughs> where it was Jalen Hurts and then it was him, and that was the end of the quarterback factory. And, and I will also say DJ Daniel from Georgia. I don't know if he comes out this season, but I think he's another underrated name to watch as well because he looked really good at the end of the season last year. He really kind of, you know, fixed all of Georgia's problems. And of course, you know, they were going into this season believing Jamie Newman was the quarterback. They end up rolling with a practice squad quarterback there or a practice team quarterback there for a minute. And, and then they ultimately end up switching over to DJ Daniel and it really worked out well for him. So I'm interested to see how his stock check kind of switches and changes uh, here in the next couple of seasons. Cause I think he can really show a lot of improvement. And of course, like you said, though, that's like six, seven names we probably listed. I would say, you know, we only probably see like realistically two or three of those guys at the top right now. So we'll have to see how that works out. Yeah. I get, I don't like doing those cliche things, but they do give you a little bit of an idea of the win total. So, you know what? Maybe this is year two of a long rebuild for the Falcons, which sets up a weird thing in the NFC South. Are we are we just doing NFC South? Because we talked about the Panthers earlier, and I I'm so mad at the Panthers. I'm 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 so mad at the Carolina Panthers because we gave them the blueprint for how to rebuild this team. They should have traded Christian McCaffrey when his value was the highest. They could have gotten like two first round picks for Christian McCaffrey after his like 1800 yard season, but. They gave him an extension that doesn't matter because you're rebuilding. And then they were just mediocre enough to not get a quarterback last year, but they could add a quarterback, but they passed on Justin Fields, which I think they're, we're going to laugh at them for the next five years. But Panthers and the Broncos, it just hasn't been the same since 2015 for both of those franchises. I would like to give a give, go to the defense a little bit of the Panthers. I do agree with you somewhat, you know, going – being the eight, uh, having the eighth pick and ultimately trading for Sam Darnold, I don't think is ideally what would happen if you're a Panthers fan. I'm not really like really hoping that I wouldn't really be hoping that would happen. But for as a matter of perspective, if, if, Jets fans would have been pissed if they had kept Sam Darnold and moved down to pick eight. Like if that was the game plan for the Jets, right. they would have been absolutely pissed at the decision there. And I think the Panthers doing the exact same thing is they they didn't have the number two pick to start with, but that. J.C. Horn could be nice. I'll, I'll be nice to them. He could be a nice little piece. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, yeah, I really like the addition of David Moore this offseason, Terrace Marshall as well. I think they added some pretty good weapons uh, alongside Sam Darnold. I think they have a, a pretty – it's a, it's a pretty good offensive line. Greg Little, uh, of course, Taylor Moton, they're, they're really good right tackle. They have Dennis Daly, Matt Paradis, Pat Eiflein. Uh, they have a, a pretty solid uh, core of offensive linemen there. And I think, you know, tied in a bit of a question. I know Ian Thomas and Tommy Trimble really make up that kind of core right now. Uh, I, I do think that – I do agree with you. I think it, it would have been ideal for the Panthers to trade away Christian McCaffrey and just keep Mike Davis. I think that would have been perfect for them. That's exactly what they would have needed. Could have got a lot more picks, a lot more potential to get other great players. I think Mike Davis is still a really good running back that's making not a lot of money at all right now it would have been a steal to be able to keep him and trade away Christian McCaffrey that's what I would have done but also keep in mind they have got Chuba Hubbard in the back as well uh in the, in the back pocket that I think could be a pretty good uh running back if he's able to work out maybe he could be the future successor of Christian McCaffrey we'll have to see um I thought the Davion Nixon pick in, in the draft
draft was one of the best picks in the draft, one of the best value picks, at least, at defensive tackle. I think he can really um, – it's a, a low-key, pretty big need right now for for Carolina. They already have Derek Brown, but they need another guy opposite side of him. I believe right now it's Bravion Roy. Um, Nixon's, I believe, fifth-round pick this year, so low risk, but I think he can be a very high reward. He's one of my favorite D tackles in this class, and I think he can be a really good pass rusher. Um, of course, they already have guys like Brian Burns, Yutur Gross Matos. I think can be very, very good pass rushers off the edge. Shaq Thompson, Denzel Perryman, Hassan Reddick. Uh, a pretty good core of linebackers. Hassan Reddick be another really good pass rusher. Jeremy Chin, of course, is a guy I like a lot. And now I think they finally fixed their cornerback issues. You know, now they have Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn, A.J. Bouye, and Troy Pride. I think they filled a couple of bit, a couple of holes this offseason. And I kind of think of this team similar to the Broncos. I, I, I batted for – I went in defense for the Broncos. I'll do the same for the Panthers. Uh, not many holes in this team at all, but I think outside of Christian McCaffrey, and you might be able to argue DJ Moore to a certain extent – not much and Jeremy Chin as well. I'll say Jeremy Chin. Not much star power on this team. I think it's a big issue the Broncos have, and I think this is another issue we kind of see the Panthers having. Uh gonna have to rely a lot on coaching this season. I think Joe Brady could be a difference maker for this team. If they're able to get the best of Sam Donald and be able to have guys like David Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall to have a big season alongside DJ Moore. This could be huge for their team, but it's one of those cases of I'll have to wait until I see it to believe it, you know, uh, and I think that the Panthers are definitely a team that has uh, a, a lot of holes already filled up, but it's not anything too substantial for me to really kind of move the needle for them. Yeah, you're talking me into the Panthers right now, even though I'm emphatic. I think the quarterback thing messes me up a bit with the Broncos because I know Drew Locke is kind of crap, but I recognize for the Panthers, like, I don't know, I need a larger sample size on Sam Darnold, and that's not all of it. Like, you listed those names, and I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot Gross Matos was hurt a bunch last year. And, oh, yeah, Hassan Reddick is rushing off the edge. And Denzel Perryman is – he's all right. I remember him on the Chargers when I used to root for him. He's so that, that's not great. Yeah, exactly. Denzel Perryman is a middle linebacker, and he's a name that I remember <laughs> because because <laughs> my, my uh, fandom for the San Diego Chargers extends back to 2015 when they drafted Denzel Perryman. But – yeah, they've got some guys who I see and I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good roster. And there are barely 20 wide receivers better than DJ Moore. I never understand why he's like a third round pick in fantasy every year, but then he ends up being kind of awesome in fantasy football. So <laughs> DJ Moore is not bad and Robbie Anderson's still there and they're giving Darnold more of a chance to succeed. And I will acknowledge that after next year, the, the trajectory of the Panthers will be much more clear. But this also correlates with the Saints. Like, we don't know. Like, a lot of it will come down to who wins the division games. And we assume the Bucks will go 5-1 and one and the Falcons will go, like, 2-4 and four or 1-5. and five. So, yeah, I think the Panthers and Saints, we, we assume the Saints will finish second and maybe make the playoffs. But they've got questions, too, and they dumped a bunch of their roster. So, you know what? You might be talking me into the Panthers as, like, a sneaky – like in the mix in December, when we do our mixies awards on the first day of December, they might end up in the mix. <laughs> I think the biggest advantage right now that I think the, the, the Saints have over a team like the Panthers is I think they do have, though it, though I do, do definitely think the Panthers have pretty good trench play. Definitely think it goes towards the Saints more of an advantage, especially on the offensive line. I think they have a very, very good offensive line again this year. Um, you got Cesar Ruiz again returning for a second year. You have Brian Ramchek, Taron Armstead. I already listened to these guys earlier when I was talking about them. Um, your biggest question, again, along with the Saints, kind of long, lies alongside the the quarterback room as well as probably wide receiver core as well. I think it's also very weak right now. Um, 
And as for the defense, honestly, all things considered, you know, they, they, they did lose, uh, was it Quan Alexander, I believe, who they lost this offseason, but you're able to re replace him with Pete Warner. I kind of, you know, Peyton Turner was a bit of a reach in my opinion, but I still do like the pick. I think getting a good defensive end along opposite side, Cameron Jordan, is going to be huge for this team. Uh, and I also think, you know, guys like David Onyemeda, Ryan Glasgow, I think it's a guy I remember from, from the Bengals who signed with the Saints a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I definitely think that, or a couple, I think last year, actually. Uh, and of course, Demario Davis. Zach Bond, a couple of these, uh, Zach Bond being a younger guy, Demario Davis being a, a pretty good, um, you know, middle linebacker, one of the best in the league right now. I think that this is a team that, again, um, really strong secondary. I think this is just a complete team at this point that's just missing another quarterback. And, and I think that unlike the Panthers, I see more star power in this team. I see the Marshawn Lattimore's, I see the Cam Jordans, I see the Demario Davises, I see the Alvin Kamara's and Michael Thomas. I can go on and on. They have a lot of stars in this team right now. And though they don't have the great quarterback, they don't have Drew Brees anymore. Their team is still intact for the most part. And I think that's going to push them over the edge for a team against a team like the Panthers. Dude, so last year going into the year, the Saints were like the most fascinating team in the league for me because I we knew it was the last dance. Like I, we made last dance. I spent an hour and a half doing last dance theme music that lasted like 30 seconds. Like it was overly produced. You know what? I'm going to edit this part in the podcast and just add the last dance music because I spent an hour and a half on it. I want to keep using it even though the season's over. But we knew go. this was the end. We knew this. They were in it to win it right now. This was it for Drew Brees. One last ride. I have no idea where they're at right now. I like they the, even their first round pick Peyton Turner is fascinating because he's a project. He's not going to be able to find the field his rookie year because Davenport's on one side and uh, Cam Jordan, Hall of Fame Cam Jordan's on the other side. Like they are they are so interesting because they've got so many dudes that for the last four years greatest most wins in four seasons for any team that never made the Super Bowl they won 49 games in four seasons and I think Drew Brees was a hindrance last year so I think Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill is better than Drew Brees right now so everything else around them subtracts but a healthy Michael Thomas I have no idea what to make of the Saints just not a clue of what to do with the Saints this year yeah, it's a, it's a big question mark because right now you're looking at their wide receiver core and it's Trey Quan Smith and Marquez Callaway being the next two guys up outside of Michael Thomas. So if you use Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston's throwing to pretty much nobodies for the most part. And so you're really hoping he's able to stay healthy. I am shocked they didn't really go for more wide receivers this offseason. I don't even know they signed any guys, actually. Uh, I, I see Quan Baker on the depth chart list right now as the only guy that was newly added from this team. I believe no he's idea a free agent. So no idea who yeah, that guy is. I, I believe I didn't scout him, but I believe he's an undrafted free agent. They also have Deontay Harris, who I have heard of. I, of course, oh, I know Marcus yeah. Callaway from uh, the Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah, they've got some dudes there. Wait, Marcus, Callow Marcus Callaway or Antonio Callaway? Because Marcus Callaway, I think, is the guy from before. Do they still have – Oh, oh, my fault. Yeah. Yeah. So Marcus Callaway was there last Mark year. He's kind of like a practice squad. Traquan Smith is there. So Traquan Smith's their de facto number two because they subtract Emmanuel Sanders. So they still – is Jordan Cook still there? Is Who's their tight end next year? Uh, Nick Vanette and Adam, it's gonna be Adam Troutman, probably the, the tight end from Western, Western Kentucky a couple of years ago. I think he might be your 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 primary guy there. I actually kind of I really liked him. He was my tight end two that season behind Cole Komet, I believe, uh, in, in, in my uh, overall draft rankings. I, I was quite a fan of Adam Troutman, so uh, I think he can be a pretty good weapon if he's able to reach his potential. But again, he, he hasn't really seen the field as much. He was behind. 
uh, Jared Cook and Nick Vanette last season. So I, I'm not too sure uh, what he, how well he performed. I also remember a little Jordan Humphrey as well from that's Texas. He had a very entertaining name. Uh, that's another guy I, I do recognize somewhat. But again, it's a guy that when that game Texas right. beat Oklahoma, he had like two touchdowns. When uh, the fam- when Gus Johnson yells "Dicker the kicker" and they make the game winner and. Uh, Gus Johnson loses his shit on Fox. I remember little Jordan Humphrey had two touchdowns in that game, but yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's nice. I don't know how good he translates to the NFL, but he's, uh, he's there. He's like Callaway and Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris. They've at least got dudes who we recognize at this point, but yeah, their number, their number one is technically Michael Thomas and their number two is Alvin Kamara. Like no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. Right. And, and I think that uh, I will, I will say there's definitely a couple of other receivers still on the, on the tables that are pretty like, uh, that could have pretty good potential. DD Westbrook could be a guy that they can go after in, in this off season. I think can still be a pretty good addition to the team. Uh, and of course, once all these, um, these cuts end up occurring, you know, during the off season, of course, the Saints don't really like the wide receiver core. They don't see enough potential in it. They can always throw it as Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? That'd be crazy. Uh, it, 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 you know, I think there's still definitely a possibility that they could still have a pretty good uh, core wide receivers. I think wide receivers is one of the more understandable positions because I think it's so stacked each year. You're going to cut a guy that could be a pretty good player on, on for another team, I think, for the most part. So, um, you know, you already you always have your Alex Erickson. I always t- call them Alex Erickson type players who are just like, <laughs> you know, they're not like particularly good by any means, but they're there and they can give you 400 yards receiving. I think if you can get another one of those guys to add to the squad, this could be a pretty all right receiving core. Uh, Michael Thomas definitely carries by a lot. Trickle Smith, I think, is a pretty okay second option for this team. Not anything too great, but I definitely think that there are definitely some upside um, to, you know, if you're able to add a couple extra wide receivers. I really thought they could, they could have gone after a guy like Ideally, if they would have got the guy like Terrace Marshall, I think it would have been perfect for them. It would have been a perfect fit, exactly what they needed. Uh, but also, maybe a guy like Shai Smith later in the, in the rounds, like round five, round six, if they wanted to go, go for a guy like that. Or maybe even go for a guy like Kate Johnson, who ended up being an under-three agent that I thought could have been drafted this year. If they could have gotten one of those guys, I would have been a lot more – uh, you know, excited about the potential they had the wide receiver core, but it's just a lot of young guys that you're hoping progresses somewhat. Callaway's very young, of course. Um, a guy like Lil Jordan Humphrey's very young. You know, there's a lot of projections. Deontay Harris again's very young. Uh, we'll just see how those guys work out. But uh, you know, at this point, it's all projections, and we're, we just have to hope for the best for the Saints. Yeah, I like that game you created a second ago. There's always a Marquise Lee that pops up every year in the free agent class. Yep. There's a, there's always an Eddie Royal who gets cut by their team. I like this game of just who's the guy who gets cut out of camp? Like he's the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart. He loses the battle to the young guy and he's just available as a free agent. It's uh, it's, it's your every uh, year. Every year it happens every single year. It, it's that, that's, that's a big reason why like I'm a firm believer that if, if you're looking for wide receiver depth, the Bengals don't really have a lot of wide receiver depth this year. Just wait. Like you're, you're going to find your guy. If you want to get the guy later on, I mean, it'd be like four or five, I think good wide receiver four wide receiver five players that are going to be available after the cuts have already occurred. So I think that, you know, you're going to have your, again, your marquee sleeve type guys are going to be there and you can just go after them if you want. Dude, I just realized the perfect name for them at this point is like a wide receiver four, Sterling Shepard. That would be perfect in that offense. Yeah. I feel like. At least Sterling oh Shepard. You can get Sterling Shepard on this team. That would. I think even now, though, I mean, I think he's still easily the second best receiver on this team at this point. I would put him over Traquan Smith. Uh, I think that this is. Uh... 
I think it's a, it's a very, I would be a very, very good addition to the team if they're able to get uh, a, a guy like that. I, I think that that would have been ideal for the Saints, but I don't really, I don't really know. I don't really know what the Giants are planning on doing with a guy like Sterling Shepard this year. Is he going to trade block and get cut this offseason? I don't really know what to see, but uh, if they're able to get a guy like that, that would be amazing. Speaking of people you can sign right now, Golden Tate still available at this point with whatever terrible four-yard out routes he's got left in the tank. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's yeah his tank's almost gone. Last year. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, his tank's running out. I think pretty quickly, and I think that you know you definitely have the the rise of guys like Darius Slayton. To be fair, uh, that end up you know becoming much more prime options for for the squad at that point. So um, and now I think the Giants are stacked at wide receiver. All things considered, having uh, Kadarius, Tony, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slate, and that's four really good guys. I think, that, you know, like you already mentioned, Sterling Shepard is going to be that fourth guy. And a couple of seasons ago, we were talking about Shepard being the first guy on its team. So uh, things have kind of changed quite a bit over these last couple of seasons when it comes to the Giants receiving core. But I do definitely do think that um, this is if, this, if the Saints are able to take advantage of one of those guys and end up falling out of the team, I think it could be ideal. I think it's ideal for any team. Honestly, I'm always there for a lot of wide receiver competition. The Bengals run an empty set, which I love uh, because you got to have four wide receivers on that field. Just get as many guys out there as possible. I want to watch them all. Like, I just love, I love watching wide receivers. It's my favorite offensive position for sure. <laughs> I, just, I just love watching the play. Yes. You're the guy you, you revel in the scouting of wide receivers. Those guys like 20th and 25th in the wide receiver class. And uh, Yes, that the, the other part for Golden Tate, I just realized you can also save nine and a half million dollars by cutting him instead of bringing him into camp by by March 11th, which, of course, you do that if you're the Giants. It's Golden Tate. He yeah. gave you one thousand and fifty yards in two seasons as a uh, the, the replacement for Odell Beckham. That was the replacement for Odell Beckham. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're looking at it as an Odell Beckham replacement, that was a very big disappointment. I don't, I don't, I thought Golden State or Golden Tate was a pretty good uh, wide receiver for the team, but I definitely think that you could definitely still have stop a step down from year one to year two. And I think that you know, being paid nine and a half million dollars, being as old as he is, it just kind of made sense to go ahead and move on from him because now you've got Darius Slayton who could be uh, a, a pretty valuable receiver. And, and of course, we had mentioned this multiple times, but Tony and Galladay being added this offseason are going to be a great one-two punch for this Giants offense as well so you're, you're fine with Adam at this point you know completely fine and then we also just both acknowledge the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are awesome and uh, there's nothing anyone can do to catch them in the division because they're the front runners of the NFC I mean I mean take the roster they had last year I'm sure you watched the Super Bowl it's the exact same roster plus Joe Tryon plus uh you know plus Robert Hainsey plus uh I know they added Kyle Trask. I'm not like, too worried about him. Yeah, don't but, don't yeah. sleep on the guy that uh, Bruce Arian says is the most disrespected player in the NFL, Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> Blaine Gabbard, Caleb Darden. I love that pick moving up in the fourth round. It's just the same team, copy paste, add extra talent to it. It's ridiculous. It's just not fair at all. I got, I don't have words. Like it's stupid. Yeah, and plus Giovanni Bernard as well. They added Gio Bernard, who is a very good running back. In. I don't know. It's just, it's ridiculous. Y'all yeah, see can't how. see this on the podcast, but I'm waving my hands like, oh no, look out. It's Giovanni Bernard. He's going to come level some blocks. He's terrifying. <laughs> He's a very good run blocking, uh, a pass blocker for a running back. And I also think that you could argue that he might be. Ooh, I don't want to say that. Don't, don't. <laughs> Oh I don't want to say that. How 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 much are Bengals fans in is love? He, with is he better? 
he one of my favorite players of all time. Is he better than Ronald Jones? But he's a cl- he's close. a cult figure in Cincinnati. Like he, I don't I don't think Gene Hardy Bernard's going for a thousand yards again. But he's a cult figure in Cincinnati. He's he's your guys as Udonis Haslam. He's your UD. <laughs> but he's much better than Udonis. I mean, I, I, listen, I'm a Heat fan. I am a part of the Udonis Haslam cult. It is different. Gene Bernard actually produces. Haslam comes in for two minutes ends up getting ejected and we all love him for it you know it's kind of a kind of a difference there between yeah. those two guys it just but they like i definitely think stay instead you know, bernard is not going to be a, a guy that's going to make it yeah i mean bernard's not going to be a difference maker for your team by a lot but i definitely think that i i, I kind of think of him ronald jones leonard fournette all kind of in the same tier of running backs kind of like that tier three tier four like average starter like that, that is where he belongs, I think. And so he could be right there. It's a, it's a running back by committee this year. And I think I think Giovanni Bernard offers a much different running back than the other guys, which is why I'm very confident he will be pretty successful this season if he end up, ends up making the roster. We'll have to see for sure. But I definitely think – I'm hoping for, I'm hoping he wins the Super Bowl. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how he ends up turning out this season with Tampa Bay. But the Bucs just keep bringing in those dudes because this is the, the Brady game. This is the Tom Brady game, of course. Oh, yeah, the Tom Brady effect. I mean, the moment he joins is when – I mean, they, they don't have half the roster right now if Tom Brady's that, it's not the quarterback there, right? It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, I definitely think that, you know, I it this team is – there are certain questions. Like, you, you know, we might see a couple of uh, players maybe start to decline. Like, you have your Jason Pierre-Pauls, your Natalman Kinsues, your – uh, do I say Levante David? He's still pretty young. Uh, you know, they do have, a, like, a couple of guys I think are, are slowly, uh, you know – slowly getting down there when it comes to age and everything like that. But you also have guys like Jamal Dean, Carlson Davis, who really improved in the cornerback room. That was really the biggest weakness throughout the season. They, they improved a lot over the, like the last half of this season. You have guys like, um, you know, younger guys like Scotty Miller, uh, you know, uh, the first round pick Tristan Wurst was fantastic last year. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's getting better at running back. You have a lot of guys. Joe Tryon is going to be a rookie. That's going to be improving a lot. Devin White's insane. Um, Shaquille Barrett. I mean, this is a team that has so many, they, they have quite with their older guys but they also have so many younger guys that can just fix everything so like what's the problem like they don't have any holes at all it's they have the best all around it's between honestly them and the browns for the best all-around roster talent wise in the nfl and the biggest difference is tom brady is much better than baker mayfield so i definitely think the the buccaneers are a better team you there there is an argument to be made that the the browns have a very comparable offensive line a very comparable uh running back core I, i definitely think I definitely think I, – listen, listen, hey. <laughs> For people who don't know, I'm cradling my Mahomes jersey right now. The idea that the Chiefs were not mentioned on the list of deepest roster – or most complete rosters in the NFL. I, well, I, I, I decry you to I said, I said, what is the shortcoming of. <laughs> I said balanced. I, I said deepest and balanced. I, 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 that's what I meant, at least. I, I think yeah. that – I would definitely put the Chiefs in the top five, but I definitely think had Mah- had Mahomes. If you put Baker Mayfield in place of Mahomes, the Chiefs, they're not nearly the team. They they're not half the team they are, right? I mean, Ooh, let's play that obviously game. giving let's them another level that game now. Ooh, what? So if you put if you put Mahomes on the Browns and you put Baker Mayfield on the Chiefs, what's your what's your AFC championship look like? Do both the, of them make it? Do do the Bills still make it over one of those no. two teams? No. Browns Bills, Browns Bills for sure. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I I don't 
even even though Travis Kelsey, I think the I think the Chiefs would still be the the winners of the AFC West and probably the third best team. But I think at that point the Bills are better uh, than than the than the Chiefs at that point. When when you when you switch Baker Mayfield for for or Patrick Mahomes for Baker Mayfield, I think that, that's really what gives the Bills the edge that they needed. But even if uh, even I, if you I, account for the Andy Reid schemes that you can build around Baker Mayfield, oof, I that oof. That, that is that is tough. Yeah, but I mean, but, but look at the look at the Browns. They, they are a they are a Patrick Mahomes short of a Super Bowl. They would have. I mean, they almost beat the chief the, the Chiefs head on last year in in a head to head due to having you know a, a much better roster. I think uh, balance wise, I think that they have better and no depth. Mahomes have... and literally no Mahomes. So you nailed that point. Not having Mahomes go out in that playoff game made the difference. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's it, di- the point, difference in those rosters was Mahomes. Yeah, you are correct. The difference I, in those yeah. two rosters was Patrick Mahomes. If you give if you give a, give a team like the Browns a Mahomes, I mean they are going to be they they are the best team. They are they that that would put them over the hump to beat Tampa Bay as well. They would be Super Bowl winners if if they had Patrick Mahomes a quarterback for sure. I think that uh, I still think that the Chiefs having Baker Mayfield would be a, a good squad, but man, they don't have again. That's another team. It, it's I think the Chiefs have. You can argue that a couple of positions that they, they still have and are in need of, of improving somewhat. I can go through their roster and talk about all their players. I think it's, you know, that I've already kind of done that with every other team right now that we talked about <laughs> so far. But um, you know, I think their offensive their offensive line is has repaired, has kind of patched itself up a little bit. You do have a couple questions. Um, you know, Tonko Charlton's your 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 one of your defensive ends. A couple of questions to their pass rush, not too great. I think at this point. Um, I think that they have a pretty solid um, safety group. I really like the cornerbacks. I think I think that you know th- not too many holes, but I think there is definitely some patchwork that's been done. And again, it's kind of like um, kind of a scenario where I just think that the Browns have overall higher talent level when it comes to their starters. And I think Mahomes, it really is Mahomes. Tyreek Kill, Travis Kelsey is pushing them ahead. They are. They are. Let me, let me be clear here when I say this. They are better. Than the Cleveland Browns, they are a better team than the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have a better all-around roster. But is it just so? It's just Mahomes. It is. It is just Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. Those three players put them over any other team right now. Like just the fact that those three players are on the same team together—that is three superstars all on the same roster. That really puts them over the hump. And I also think, you know, I think that you take like Mahomes, you give Mayfield, you still give them Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. They're still a 13 and, and four playoff team right in the thick of things right you know right there uh, I think Mahomes is like a 15 and two you know right I think it's a difference between two wins for the most part I think you know for the Browns that kind of changes their 12 and five to a 14 and three you know kind of puts them a little bit closer to the over the hump than what I think the, the Chiefs would be at that point but uh um it, it really is just a matter of uh I, I would be interested to see how a guy like Andy Reid would, would perform with a guy like Baker Mayfield but I mean, Mahomes is unreal. It is it is just unreal to see how great he is. And so I, I'm really interested to see how that would all end up turning out. You don't have to tell me twice that it's amazing how good Patrick Mahomes is. You, do, you don't have to tell me twice about that. <laughs> oh, goodness. That, that would be an interesting thought experiment. This is, this is what May football content looks like. What would happen if we switch Patrick Mahomes on the Browns and Baker Mayfield on the Chiefs? That would be a... A fun May. It's a fun question to ask for a lot of different teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what happens if we switch Patrick Mahomes with Aaron Rodgers? What happened? That's that's another interesting question. Do you think? 
I, w- I would have said if we uh, saw Mahomes yeah. play for the Packers instead of the 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 Rod- uh, instead of uh, Rodgers, would, would we be considering Rodgers as the most talented quarterback over Mahomes at this point? I don't know. It'd be a really good question. Yeah, I wow. I would say no. if you gave Rodgers Travis no. Kelsey, if you gave Rodgers Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. He was he was breaking records you cannot imagine would be broken last season. Like, but I also acknowledge that Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams is kind of a mute, but also Patrick Mahomes has a slightly stronger arm than Aaron Rodgers. Not much, but a slightly stronger arm. And I guess I guess to be fair, like Kelsey, Kelsey, there's no like there's no way to go around that with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think Kelsey crazy. would look the same he did, but I also think Bob Tanyan would look similar with Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't think the difference makes as much of a as much of a difference there. I think it's comparable, uh, but you know, it's it, I'm mainly asking the question of how would Patrick Mahomes do if he had to develop in Green Bay versus how Aaron Rodgers would do if he was able to develop in Kansas City. How would that end up yeah. turning out? Which is a lot harder a question to project. We can't really project that exactly, but we can just assume, uh, and and that would that would again be very interesting too. I mean, really, the two top quarterbacks right now, or you know, when it comes to accolades right now, or, or at least talent, I think in the league, you know, being able to switch teams, how would that you know end up turning out? I think it's always interesting to talk about for sure. Or I can play it this way for you. Let's say we redrafted the 2017 draft. So the Browns had the first pick. They obviously picked Patrick Mahomes, but you don't get Miles Garrett. Do you think the Browns are changing that reality where you can get Patrick Mahomes with the first pick, but you're not allowed to draft Miles Garrett now? And then everything progresses from that point forward. So like maybe you still get a top pick in 2018 or but you like, but you're not going to draft Baker Mayfield. So like, maybe you draft uh, Saquon Barkley. I don't know. I don't know who it ends up being. But well, do you have that high of a pick of 2018 if you have Mahomes? I guess he's. My but they also had be... the Texans pick. That's the other thing. They also had the Texans pick that year. So maybe you don't get. Maybe you get Denzel Ward and then you fall way down. So you don't get Baker or. I guess what we're saying is, would you trade Mahomes for Baker and Miles Garrett? That's an interesting one. I'll put that on the poll also after after this show for tomorrow. Would you would you trade Baker and Miles Garrett for Patrick Mahomes? I would. And if you're able to still like, I mean, the question is, is Mahomes because Mahomes didn't play year one for Kansas City. So we don't know how well he performed year one for Cleveland. So if they still yeah. end up having a high pick, it's possible that they end up having Denzel Ward and Bradley Chubb. So you're saying Mahomes and Chubb or Garrett and uh, and and Mayfield, I definitely lean towards Mahomes and Chubb at that point. I would be really, really interested to see how that would end up turning out. Yeah, because the, the Nick Chubb pick came from uh, trading. No, they almost traded up with the Eagles, I think, but they ended up sitting. I meant Bradley Chubb. Oh, Bradley Chubb. Sorry. I yeah. Bradley. Right, but you would already have Nick Chubb uh, yeah. still there, right? Because I think yeah. he, he doesn't really change much. But Bradley Chubb would be, you know, he's picked at five. If you still a top five pick. Sorry, I'm, looking, I'm gonna look up the 2018 NFL draft and see if there's there's a comparable situation here. It, it would definitely be interesting. I think that, uh, you know, maybe a Roquan Smith instead. That would be another really interesting pick. Um, maybe maybe a, a Vita Vita. Um, you know, if they had Derwin Alex or Derwin James, that'd have been crazy. Uh, if he was able to stay healthy, um, that was a really weak edge rushing class. Uh, there was only two guys drafted. It was Marcus Davenport and Riley Chubb, <laughs> but yeah, 
That um, one did. But yeah, assuming that, they but, still uh, get Denzel Ward, because they had Houston's pick, but the, so they still get Denzel Ward, and they get, that was actually like, Denzel Ward seemed like a bad pick at the time. That's one of the smartest picks of the last like four years, because that dude was like 12th overall prospect. They picked, they reached on him at four, and he's a superstar. Like, that was a great yeah. job by them. Honestly, if I'm sitting there, I don't know if I would pick anyone else. I, I would also say another interesting uh, factor is what if the Browns drafted Josh Allen first overall instead of Baker Mayfield? How would that end up turning out? Is that changing anything for, for, for the squad? That one, that one might have to be a what if Wednesday. That one might have to be one that we dive deeper into on the podcast because that, that changes it because would Darnold go three to the Jets? And then does that mean Baker goes to the Bills? Or does that mean that the Bills take Josh Al- or Josh Rosen? Like, there's so many possibilities. I, you could argue that it might be – it might be the Jets taking Baker Mayfield, and then we see that the Bills end up with Sam Darnold, and then all of a sudden Josh or, – or maybe even Josh Rosen, and then all of a sudden the Cardinals get either one of those guys. You know, either way, Josh Rosen isn't going to work out. But I definitely think that would be interesting to see how that would turn out for, you know, the Jets and, and the Browns for sure. That would be – crazy because I'm and also Lamar Jackson's another five factor because a lot of people thought he could have been in the top 10 picks but ended up falling all the way down to 31 so or 32 so would that end up being the Ravens being able to have Lamar Jackson that could really create a good butterfly effect and in the league had uh that pick gone a different way uh that was a that was a pick at the time shocked me because I was very high on Sam Donald um compared to consensus I think I believe he's on QB1 that year so I'm not gonna I'm not going to brag about that by any means, but I definitely like this talent. And I definitely thought Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson were up there. I will say I was not as high on Josh Rosen as everyone else was. So I'm proud of that. Um, but I definitely think that I believe for me, the ranking went one was Sam Darnold. Two was Josh Allen, three Baker Mayfield, four Lamar Jackson, five Josh Rosen, I believe, which isn't exact, but wasn't bad either. I mean, that was, that was a first year I actually truly yeah, if scouted you out, If you throw out Darnold, um, then that's not bad at all. If you, if you take out Darnold being ahead of those other guys, which a lot of people had, then it's not bad at all. Yeah, and I do know that a lot of the, the scouting people I listened to were trying to defend uh, Josh Rosen a lot, but I mean, I just, I, I think the biggest issue for me with Josh Rosen, and, and I honestly kind of blame on my immaturity when it came to scouting at that point, was I kind of expected a lot of these quarterbacks to be, to either have the extreme raw potential or to have the Baker Mayfield type seasons when it came to having a very good production, and then really, Josh Rosen kind of felt like in the middle, he really didn't have either to a certain extent, and it kind of was I was just kind of, to me, like, why is he on this same level as these Heisman winners and these guys who have insane athleticism and, and you know, like these just insane, like, physical traits, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't really, like, either of those guys. Kind of felt like in the middle, in between all those players, and that's why I kind of graded him a little bit lower. So, I, I, I really, honestly, I might have had him graded a little bit higher. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if I've had him graded any higher now, but I definitely think my my list definitely favors some of the traits that he had over uh, that that last couple that last season uh, that I, I ended up scouting him. Well, who's a person who's probably graded higher now that you're more mature as a scout for like similar reasons? It could be a different position too. Like I don't understand the scouting part altogether. Okay, um, I would definitely be lower on. Uh, let's see. Jordan Law was a guy that I would be higher on now than I was last year as well. That's another name that I would have definitely been higher on. Um, I, I think another good example, Carson Wentz. Maybe that's another guy I would probably be a lot higher on than what I was at the time. Um, he's another guy that I thought was 
came from a small school guy that again had some pretty good athletic traits but never really like he's like has his production you know i know that i see these trey lance type players i, I understand a lot more coming from the smaller schools um I, I think um i was going back to this 2018 draft i was very very high on mike mcglinchey at the time as well as connor williams as well uh i think i would have been a lot higher on Mike McGlinchey now than I would before. My, my, my rankings for offensive tackles, I changed a lot. Um, I believe I, I, I said, I was, I was high on McGlinchey. I, I meant to say I was much higher on Isaiah Wynn. That was a guy I was a big fan of. That was my number one tackle in the class, class I believe. Um, ahead of Colton Miller, ahead of Mike McGlinchey. Uh, and of course, Quentin Nelson was on a completely another level of, of talent. But I had Isaiah Wynn one, McGlinchey two, Connor Williams three. And I think now I definitely would have almost kind of flipped that completely. I would have had almost the exact opposite list except McGlinchey over Connor Williams at that point. My offensive line has changed a lot. My quarterbacks, for the most part, I sort of stay, stay similar, but there are certain prospects. And I think a great example is, is – um, is uh, Sam Darnold, there's not Sam Darnold, uh, Carson Wentz. My grading systems changed a lot uh, whenever I, you know, whenever I actually went to go scout him and, and looked at him. Even though he's a year before, I was a little less, um, even well, even more or less first on that. I believe that year only scouted like the first round of players, probably if, if that. So, but I definitely think that, you know, players like that, my, my views on and what I would have graded them in college would change a lot for sure. Okay, Th those make sense. That I, I'm again, you're you're smarter on this than I am and, and more well versed in the scouting verse, but that actually did feel kind of informative. So I wish we could really share our screens on Instagram because my one thing I've always wanted to do that I never really could was just watch film on a live and break down my thought process. That's something I've we, always we can do that over really, Zoom. Really we can do, do that over Zoom and turn it into a podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and we could do that over YouTube as well. This is something that myself, I don't really have the I feel like I don't really have the abilities or facilities to do that. I just feels like, it just feels like for me, it'd just be too much of a struggle and too much of a pain to try to go through that and do it, whatever it might not, might not be caught on as much or popular by any means. But um, yeah, I, I do want to no, go. Look, we're just one filling content sure. here. Like, like we got, we got eight hours of content to fill a week. Like we are, we right. are game for. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it would like, definitely be. It would it would be very entertaining just to go through and be able to show like my thoughts on on certain prospects and how it's changed and developed because um, I think that I, I think to I think this is the best analogy I could probably make in in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen I was much more worried about the plays the players were involved in I I think now now in 2020, 2021, I, I'm, I'm not even honestly pay more attention to the plays that are not involved in. I think it's a big difference uh, in, in play. I really, I'm interested to see how they perform. If the ball is going the opposite direction, how fast they can get to the other side of the field, how fast they're able to close in on a player, how fast they're able to come in support for another guy. I am much, paying much more attention to the plays that aren't getting much recognition compared to what I am for the, you know, for the plays that end up they end up being a part of those plays where it's a pass in the flats and they get around a cornerback to make a tackle. It's for a wide receiver to make a tackle. It's impressive, but I'm much more worried about a 20 yard pass down the field is completed. The safety has to go across the entire field to come make a tackle. That's what I really look at now whenever I'm looking at all these tapes. And that's how I've really adjusted and changed a lot is the plays they're not too involved in with quarterbacks. It's a bit different because they're involved in every single play whenever they're touching the field. But I think for other positions, for sure, that is something that I really pay attention a lot to. Yeah, we can watch highlights from a game last year and break down tape as a podcast coming up here because we, we, we can fill it. time. At the very least, we'll try it and see if people like it. Yeah, for, I'm down. Totally down. I want to do it so bad. That'd be a lot of fun. 
for sure. That, that, that could be a fun idea. Maybe next week we'll try that. But uh, I, I was speaking of whatever we were talking about live games. I was really hoping we would get actually some fun live game action, but the wizards are up by 31 against the Pacers right now. So uh, we, we didn't get any live game action here on the podcast. <laughs> I got the two playing predictions right. I did predict the Pacers over the wizards. So it's not too good, but Hey, I, I definitely think, I am cheering for Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Come on, I, I want to see them contend. I, I want to I'm see them get see smacked that. by the Sixers. You want to see them get well, smacked by the Sixers next game? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. More than yeah, the Pacers. Well. I understand wanting to watch it more than the Pacers. So the, one of my favorite tweets that was came from this entire week was someone on Twitter saying, Pacers fans, are you even happy that you're winning right now? Because <laughs> yeah. they're going to fire their coach. TJ Warren had like weird, like optional surgery to end the season. I see Aaron holiday and Goga Bitaze playing right now. Like it's, they just, they, they just turn the ball over down 35. Like Pacers just don't want to be here. They just, they, they're done with this. Yeah. It, it's pretty much over for them. I, I think they, it would have been better for them. Honestly, they even didn't even make it to the play. I would have been an 11 seed at that point if I'm the Pacers, honestly. Yeah, go get uh, that draft you know, pick. A higher draft pick. <laughs> right, yeah. Being able to get in the lottery, get a good draft pick, that's ideally what would probably happen for you. But, um, you know, of course, that didn't end up working out. But we'll have to see. Uh, I definitely think the Pacers are a, a pretty good squad for, for the future. I do think that the Wizards are definitely in a better position to make the, the series against the 76ers a lot more exciting because you have Russell Westbrook, you have Bradley Beal, I think you could see the Wizards sneak a game or two against the 76ers. I definitely think it's going to be 76ers fairly easily. And I can see a lot of the games being 76er blowouts. But I do think that, you know, I think this Wizards game, I think if it's the Pacers, it's a pretty easy sweep. And, of course, it's not going to be the Pacers. It's just going to be the Wizards. If it's the Wizards, you can see them taking a game or two possibly. I know my man JJ is here down in South Beach, who is uh, going to be obnoxious Heat fan and obnoxious Panthers fan because uh, the Ice Cats hit a game winner in overtime to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. So JJ, I've been ignoring you for an hour and a half. You can take your victory praise because the Carolina Panthers had a two, or I'm sorry, the the Florida Panthers, the Ice Cats had a two goal comeback against the Lightning to not go down 3-0. <laughs> Speaking of Miami. Man, I saw a poll earlier. What are you talking about? Bucks and four? Bucks and four by a lot? What? Okay, so so this is a whole backstory here. So I'm a Giannis guy for no reason other than I recognize he's going to be the player of the 2020s. And it's smart to to like in the in the wrestling style persona, just hitch your wagon to Giannis and ride that baby into the sunset. So I am very much of the opinion that Giannis is the best player in the world. And it was very annoying last year when the Miami Heat beat the Bucks in the playoffs. And so me and, and our buddy Cam from Daily Sports Dosage, and to be honest, that poll was to promote today's podcast. We both, who are both big Giannis guys, even though he's from Boston, are like, so this is going to be Bucks in four, and they're going to win each game by 27 as part of the revenge tour for last year, that the Bucks are just going to like slap the Heat around for a few games and then move on to get their revenge. <laughs> Don't sleep on Jimmy Butler. That's all I gotta say. I, I definitely think uh, you guys don't have the offense. You guys are, I definitely think Jam is the honest stopper, but you guys don't have the offense to compete this year. I definitely think Drew Holiday's a big bridge in the Heat's plans because he is really. I think he's really helped fill out this Bucks roster. But I mean, listen, if if Bam Adebayo could shut down Giannis, and we have Jimmy Butler versus Chris Middleton one on one, we if we have 
I don't know who's guarding Drew Holiday, but if we can have a guy guard Drew Holiday, you know, it's a pretty even matchup somewhat. Yeah, Trevor Ariza. You have Trevor Ariza. <laughs> I'm very good defender, 3 and D guy. I mean, hey, it's not like – we didn't really – honestly, I would argue we actually got worse this season. Uh, we, we had Victor Oladipo, but, of course, he got injured because it's Victor Oladipo. Um, I, I think that, hey, uh, you know – you, you lose Kelly Olenek, which honestly ends up looking like a, a pretty well, we big laughed loss at, We laughed us. at that last week. Everyone's like, yeah. look at that trade that they destroyed and how Kelly Olenek's balling up for the terrible Houston Rockets and, and Victor Oladipo's gone. And, and, and honestly, I think our biggest addition and what I'm most excited about, you're going to laugh at this, is Dwayne Dedman. He makes me very excited because we really <laughs> need a good rebounding center. It says a lot about our depth that we need Dwayne Dedman, but I think that you know, he's, he's, he's there. Um, You've got he's all right. Yeah, he's, a, he's a center. He's, he's been, he's been around the block yeah. a few times. And by that, I mean, he's been on the Hawks. <laughs> has Dwayne, yeah, ever, we, we has Dwayne really... ever played a playoff game? I'm going to Google this while you go through it. <laughs> Didn't he play for San Antonio there for a minute? Sure. He has though. Then did he play, did he play, he play for, San for San Antonio for a hot minute? Let's see. Who's I think, I think he did. Um, yeah, he has been around the block. Then the tanking Sixers, the Orlando Magic. No. Okay, so he had one year in San Antonio. Then he got a deal with the Hawks, the Kings, and yep. the Heat. So let's see, what did the 20s? Oh, yeah, he was on the, the Spurs team that went to the conference finals, and then Kawhi got his ankle rolled over. So he has one year of playoff experience. <laughs> right, yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, he's not very um, – exciting by any means but I definitely think that uh he's definitely probably our, our best addition um I look at I look I think if the Heat have any chance of winning this series it's gonna have to be our hero Duncan Robinson going off in the three you really gonna have to have them be hot and it really just depends I, they they were really good last year in, in the playoffs and then of course Duncan Robinson and Tyler both end up completely drying out in the play in the finals but they can be hot again anything's possible just throwing it out there we never we don't know for sure. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, bucks, bucks and four, bucks and three, whatever you want to call it. Um, Milwaukee is gonna get that revenge tour. So, sorry, do no, I dare sorry, say Heat and seven? Heat and do seven. Do you? Do you dare say it, or do you say it as Heat Homer? Heat Homer. Okay. For sure. But <laughs> hey, Heat and seven. We'll say it. Sure. We'll we'll ride we'll ride that wave into the sunset as you guys get bounced in the first round. But you should have been the five seed and should have beat the Knicks. I, I'm not gonna not gonna shit on the Heat because they're bad. I'm gonna shit on the Heat because they can't score. Um, How about those Knicks though? I'm, a, I'm I'm actually if the Heat don't end up winning at all, I'm I'm gonna cheer for the Knicks and Suns for sure. I want to see them win every single game. I want to see the Suns sweep the Lakers, even though I respect LeBron and I really appreciate what he does what, what he did. I want to see CP3 and Devin Booker go on a revenge tour and make it all the way. And I want to see Devin Booker the Knicks out of all Devin the Booker taking revenge on <laughs> wasting the first five seasons of his career with the same with the Phoenix Suns <laughs> that's 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 his revenge and not particularly against anyone else other than the fact that he just had his complete first couple of years of his life wasted being a Suns player uh and I want to see the Knicks of all teams in the in the in the NBA the fact that we're considering the Knicks the top four seed in the east is fascinating I am really excited to see them play Julius Randle is again I'm a Kentucky homer so I can't I can't lie when I say go this but Julius Randle is comeback player of the year Comeback player of the year and one of the most underrated players this season, even after being comeback player of the year. I think he's still one of the most underrated, and I, I'm really excited. I think he is heading toward that. 
high end all star talent for sure. Yeah. Okay. He's a small market max. That's what I'd say right now. But yeah. Nick, uh, we called this, uh, we did this on yesterday's pod. Knicks and Hawks is the second TV game. Like, it's interesting. The series is kind of fun, but you kind of put it on the second TV because it's not It's not that fun. It's interesting enough where you're not going to, you don't want to not watch it. Like Celtics Nets. I don't want to watch that. But I do want to watch the Knicks and Hawks, but I don't want to watch it as much as I want to watch the Lakers and the Suns. So it's a second uh, TV game. <laughs> Uh, imagine, imagine being told before the season started that we, we have Lakers Suns round one and and Hawks Knicks round round one as well. Like projecting what the seeds would be, like you would obviously assume the Suns would be the eight seed, the Lakers probably be the one seed, right? Ends up being almost the exact opposite. And then you have the Knicks and the and the Hawks, and you're like, how in the world are those two teams meeting up in the first round? Like you'd have no, you'd have no like, shot of predicting that or thinking that's real. It's it is crazy how the NBA works out, and uh, I'm excited to see. This is gonna be a very very fun playoffs and. I, I, I went ahead and went on record and, and saying I think the Nuggets are going to surprise a lot of people, even without Jamal Murray. I'm ready to see that happen. I want to see I want to see Nuggets and I, that, that series between the Nuggets and the Suns if it ends up happening. I am really excited to see how that would turn out. I want to see CP3 and going to be awesome too. Like both of those series would be just great. Yeah, I, I think I think honestly it'd be an easier path for the Lakers if they had the Nuggets, in my opinion. But I think that Nuggets-Suns could be very, very competitive because I think those teams can match up very, very well against each other. And I, I do tend to believe whoever wins that's probably going to lose to the Utah Jazz, but anything's possible. We'll have to see. Ooh, so you, I, ooh, I would say the Clippers might have the edge over the Jazz. That second-round matchup is going to be really interesting, too. No, no, he's not a fan of the Clippers. The Jazz are fantastic. The, the Jazz are the best team in the NBA this year. I mean, they are. They're the best team. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets and the 76ers. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. The Brooklyn Nets are better. I'm not going to say 76ers. I'll take the Utah Jazz over the 76ers. But I will say the Brooklyn Nets are better. I, I, Whenever now that they are fully healthy, they are better. But okay. Okay. Jazz are the best team in the West. And still, I think even counting the Nets, they are really going to be good contenders against that team. I'm excited to see. If, if I can watch – this is a very, very exciting finals because I want to see a lot of series happen. I want to see Suns-Knicks in the finals. I want to see Jazz 76ers in the finals. I want to see Jazz Clippers uh, – you know, or no, Jazz Clippers, Jazz Nets. I want to see all these games happen. Of course, it's not going to, but I want to see it anyway. So I want to see this – is our, this is a true chance we get to see who's better – the other team because it's a seven game series you really get a you get a good idea who's the better team at this point and i'm excited to see who's better than who because it this is probably the most even i think you mentioned this as well like this is like one of the best most this is the best the nba's been in a long time i think when it comes to excitement overall equal equality and talent um I, I think it's really exciting yeah and I'm now secretly rooting for the Warriors to beat the Jazz in the first round and just have one of the great upsets of all time just because you said that the Jazz were better than everyone uh, except for the, the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Listen, I won't lie. I'm cheering for the Warriors too. Don't tell anyone I said that, but I am. I hope I'm wrong. I just think the Jazz – I mean, the Jazz are – insane this year i mean it is wild to see us they could end up being like the, the was 2017 atlanta hawks where they they have the best record in the league and they end up being like completely just trashed in the playoffs it's certainly yeah, a possibility but donovan mitchell's out for revenge team with the rosen and kyle lowry pretty much 
Right, yeah. But I, I think that we are also, it's also very likely now that Donovan Mitchell is looking to get on a revenge tour. Rudy Gobert has been fantastic. You have guys like Mike Conley there. Very, very good shooters across the team. Very good depth. I mean, they just have everything you kind of want in a playoff team right now. They don't have the LeBron James, the Steph Curry, the um, Kawhi Leonard's, but they have when it comes to overall well-built team, again, this is kind of going back to the, the, the conversation we had in the NFL. They have the most balanced, well-depth roster currently in the league right now. Yeah, no lie out of me or no argument out of wow. Okay, we're, we're hitting close to the two-hour mark. My, my, I'm running out of words. It's time to stop. <laughs> that, that was just, that was bad. Okay, now, you know what we do now? We do have a sound of for that. Every time I make a brutal mistake on the air, I immediately stop recording and then cut to a sound of Mike Green calling Taco Fall Taco Bell every time that I do. <laughs> uh, every time I make a brutal mistake on the podcast, we cut to that sound to, to make me feel better a little bit. <laughs> that is that is amazing. I've never heard that happen, but I want to now. That is amazing. I, I will send you the video of that because uh, it, it is it is funny. <laughs> it, it's It's the last game of the regular season. It's the Knicks against Boston. They've already clinched the five seed, but no, no, just Taco Fall is Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was amazing. Yeah. That's, that's Appreciate you, man. This this was fun. This was really fun to do. So it's a lot of fun. Well, we'll figure yeah. this out again with the live stream. We'll do. We'll record. Uh, we'll watch tape. Wow, I'm I'm toast. Okay, um, I I'm checking out right now. Okay, it's been a long day. We're, we're going to just stop the recording on, <laughs> we're going to stop the Zoom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.